everyone to a new episode of the podcast self-evolution regardless and today's episode is recommended as one of the topics that are actually recommended by an anonymous uh, fan talking about um, one of these topics and I'd like to start with the topic of triangulation of siblings. Now, we all know how dangerous triangulation is, whether it be for the triangulator or the triangulady, because either way, it's going to cause so much drama, so much, so many problems, a lot of misunderstanding. And so many indirect messages being sent back and forth between the members, but sent also indirectly, which uh, explain the dangers of a communication that's not direct, like a two-way street. It's not supposed to be a two-way street in toxic environments and in toxic contexts, uh, and one of the worst contexts to have or to be in is that of a family where bloodline is involved and people are related by blood and then typically going no contact or blocking them would be very difficult to even impossible to do sometimes. And for the benefit of uh, that the narcissist gets, of course, all the time, is that they always want to come out of the war winning. And one of the most uh, cunning tactics they can do so is by triangulating. And they triangulate their children against each other. And they even triangulate themselves within their children, and then it's a whole complicated thing. Now, in this podcast, Self-Evolution Regardless... I already talked about this in two episodes, uh, part one, part two. Um, it was a personal experience, sorry, that happened to me. Uh, and I immediately recorded about it because I wanted to vent. I wanted to uh, somehow find a healthy way to talk about this instead of exploding or worse yet, imploding. And so I found it would be useful to actually talk about it in my podcast. And I think it was called A Stupid Mistake, Triangulation, and Drama, something like that. So please do not hesitate to listen to those to give you a backstory of what a real context of triangulation between siblings would seem like. Now, um, further on with this topic... The triangulation between siblings would be something like, something in the lines of making sure that uh, a relationship between two siblings, I think most likely a relationship that is healthy or that's not really filled with drama and mess everywhere, um, the narcissist has to make sure that this relationship is ruined because then its ruination works in their favor. And of course, like I said, they always have to come out as a winner each and every time. So without a doubt, what they're going to do is they're going to want to triangulate uh, the siblings to each other. 
And what they'll do is usually target the scapegoat or the black sheep of the family who is different in their way of uh, thinking, speaking, doing things, uh, seeing things, um, and even because of their nature. Usually what you find uh, in, a, in a narcissistic family dynamic is the rules that are sacred, okay? You'll find the narcissist themselves, the enabler, who is usually uh, the partner of the narcissist, who may also adopt another role if the overt narc is gone then enable ruby will be or will unravel themselves as the covert narc and uh hopefully soon i'll be talking about the covert narc more in depth and there are types of narcissists, which I'm going to be talking about in another episode. Oh my god, it's been a while since I recorded. I know, I know, but, it's, you know, so much is going on, really. And uh, the updates that got me really demotivated every time, and I just, you know. So anyway, today I took the microphone and I said, fuck it, I'm going to record it. You know what, I, I might as well just record a few more episodes before anything happens like you know the best thing i had for me right now is the podcast so back to the main topic um and uh so so the triangulation between siblings would be yes targeting the scapegoat who will also be targeted for their nature something in the lines of their empathy, their way of, sorry, I've been yawning and burping at random and for weird, weird reasons, I'm so sorry, again, um, but also because of their nature, because they are sometimes capable of being highly intuitive, seeing things before they happen, predicting them, always being correct, their sense of uh, sixth sense is really activated and highly alert. Um, They tend to feel what others are feeling around them. Uh, They tend to feel the vibe going on in a room uh, with people around and they can tell if a person is going to be a creep around them or a safe person they can trust without even just talking to them like just by the way of looking at people it's kind of judgmental if you look at it from a negative point of view but sometimes it's positive because then it protects that empath from potential danger or their ability to seek justice and always be a truth seeker um they might lie Uh, scapegoats do lie I myself lie sometimes, but it's only to either protect myself, protect somebody, or uh, not the kind of lie that would harm anybody. I wouldn't want to think about it as a lie that would harm anybody. It's the kind of lie that's only for serving as a protection uh, mechanism against the questionnaire, the invading questionnaire of the narcissist Uh, or uh, their ability to even uh, like I said protecting others etc and somebody else 
uh, I think sometimes they might target one of the other, uh, or let me name the rest of the sacred roles you're going to find in a narcissistic family. So the narcissist, the enabler, who may also convert into a covert narc if the overt narc is gone. Then we have a scapegoat, the most blamed person, the least uh appreciated person in the family then we have the golden child the extreme the other extreme of the spectrum when it comes to children it's the most favored uh most appreciated most ideal child that the narcissist has um then you'll find probably in some cases uh the invisible child or the peacemaker or the mascot and typically what also is found is a role of a flying monkey and a flying monkey who is uh known for their betrayal to the scapegoat because sometimes they depend on them to uh tell them secrets and just you know tell them stuff that's not really uh one of the business of the narcissist and then they betray them and then they tell the narcissist because they're always, they are, have been, and will always be loyal to the narcissist, first and foremost. And that would make the scapegoat not trust them anymore. And that's pretty fucking normal, except it's not normal at all. And none of these dynamics is normal anyway. And so what happens in triangulation between siblings, one of these roles will be switched around because remember that roles are really flexible. Um, in my personal experience, I can be an invisible child and I can also be a scapegoat. I can be either, I can be both, I can be neither, I can actually be a golden child for uh, a sec and then go back to being a scapegoat. If I ever disagree with a narcissist on something or see things differently from them or... Uh, argue with them and turn out that I am right and they're wrong and they're going to have to bring their army with them, which includes the flying monkeys, the golden child, and even the peacemaker, and they will uh, destroy you, basically. So with that is having someone in between. So imagine, so there is, for example, the scapegoat who's always going to be the target okay, to destroy, to aim at, and to ruin, um, and another, say, for example, a sibling, uh, maybe there are fights, there have been fights going on between them, or the relationship between them is somewhat peaceful. What the narcissist will do is go ahead and tell the scapegoat that this that their sibling is telling lies about them, telling rumors about them, that they're... Sorry. Um, being arrogant, that they're... Uh, they're not talking well about them, etc., etc. Um, you know, they can make up stuff that's totally, like, out of the context of reality, or... They can mix up truth with some lies and you don't know what's going on and it's part of gaslighting and making sure your your memory doesn't work well. Um, and then they go to the other, uh, you know, 
uh, angle of the triangle and go and tell them that the scapegoat is planning to ruin your life, is planning to destroy you, they're planning to, they're threatening to hit you, they're, they're threatening to, uh, I don't know, um, bring everyone against you. And then it's the role of the narcissist to triangulate between the siblings that way. And then make sure that the fight that happens between the siblings happens because of the scapegoat. And the narcissist comes out of there safe and sound. And and then if, if asked what's going on, they will say, Oh, I don't know. The, the fight broke out between them. Like, how do I know? You know, they're children. They're grown-ups. They're responsible. They're going to handle it with each other. You know, I don't really have any idea what's going on. The, the problem is theirs. And I don't have a clue of what's going on. And so probably you shouldn't ask me what's going on probably you should go ahead and ask that quote-unquote scapegoat over there and tell her what's going on maybe calm her down because or him down because he or she is losing their mind and they're going nuts over nothing and then the sibling is enraged because of him or her again because she's always naughty or he's always obnoxious never listening always making me furious and making their sibling furious as well and so they must be uh raised well these the scapegoat is never listening they're not good at, at listening at all they're really rude etc etc they're always gonna tell the outsiders looking in something that hasn't nothing to do with the scapegoat but they make it all on the scapegoat they'll blame it all all on the scapegoat, making sure by the end of the day that they are absolutely clean and they have nothing, uh, they have contributed with nothing to the crime and to the problem and to the trauma going on. Uh, and that's basically something that maybe the narcissist will feel like they want to do out of revenge from the scapegoat out of demanding narcissistic supply which never ends which is a, a, an addiction to them if you tell me it's an addiction for the narcissist to always always seek that narcissistic supply that validation but not the kind of validation that a victim seeks when they're abused and they need some encouraging words and some empathetic words and some genuine communication that reassures them and that raises their self-esteem these kinds of people will look for that kind of admiration and adjuration that's gonna increase keep inflating their inflated ego again and and um to always demand attention from people to show off how nice they are, to, to show that image, to, to maintain that perfect image of being perfect and flawless and always doing good to people and nothing is wrong to the outside perspective. But when the doors are closed, that's when all the abuse is happening and it's traumatizing, especially for the scapegoat, but it doesn't matter. As long as narcissist gets out of there safe and sound. 
And the most endangered person here, the person that gets the most pain, the person that gets the most amount of insults, hate, criticism, shaming comments, condescending advice, uh, threats even, you know, all that is the scapegoat. Because they're always treated as the enemy, as the never-ending, long-lasting enemy that they're always going to have to be fighting against. And that they are the protagonist in a story, and obviously the scapegoat is going to have to be automatically the antagonist, who is villain, the villain, the villainous villain, who has to be eliminated and has to be abolished completely um in so many ways it's not done directly see triangula- triangulation in itself is not a direct way of attacking that person it's a way of getting a third party involved they may have no clue about what's going on but um Keeping the narcissist's hands clean, okay? I have another example which may be more accurate, and is they'll, the narcissist will use triangulation in case there was a fight that broke out between the narcissist and the scapegoat, and then they want to um, include a third party that had no idea of what's truly going on because again something that narcissist is really really good at is writing down rewriting history okay and now to get back at this scapegoat to make sure that they win no matter what they're gonna have to get this third person involved and they know nothing and usually it's gonna be the flying monkey in this case it's the flying monkey And we know that the flying monkey is the loyal animal, the servant of the narcissist. They may be hypocrite sometimes. They may be loyal to the narcissist. They may betray. They're always switching around and jumping around and chaotic and messy. And you don't know what's coming next from them. They're really chaotic and unpredictable sometimes. But really... Really, what they are is something very predictable and very boring, honestly. Um, So what they'll do is that they will go ahead and uh, be used by the narcissist against the scapegoat. And these flying monkeys, sometimes they have no clue what's going on. But once the narcissist makes sure that the story is convincing enough, is pitiful enough is worth crying for, is worth shedding some tears for, they will make sure that they will defend the narcissist till the end. And they will make sure that the scapegoat gets the blame and gets the criticism and gets the condescending words and and shameful advice. Which not even advice, it's just um, insults upon insults. Um, and so... To, to, to add insult to the injury, if that's right, yes, I think, they will also blame, condescend, criticize, shame the scapegoat even more because it wasn't enough that the narcissist did it, 
but they need more supply for that to happen. They need to make sure that they win because they didn't feel like they won enough because the the scapegoat's reaction maybe if they remain calm that situation where the narcissist is actually like blowing off like screaming yelling going on rage mode and the scapegoat is still maintaining their calm and they're not really reacting as much they feel like they haven't won yet they feel like there's something missing there's something wrong and they have to make sure that they move the chess pieces in the right position in a way that they win no matter what and so at this point, they will resort to the flying monkeys, making sure that they tell them the story and make sure it's as pitiful as possible and everything in between. And so to make sure that now the flying monkey is going to get the scapegoat, it's going to insult the scapegoat, it's going to shame the scapegoat even more. And now the scapegoat has no way, nowhere to go and has no place to... Uh, win. There's no chance for the scapegoat to win at any time. So now, basically, with all this, the flying monkey goes ahead and attacks the scapegoat out of nowhere. Okay, out of nowhere, and the scapegoat doesn't even realize it. it doesn't they? They don't even see it coming from their own sibling. Okay, this is this is sibling fight now. And then when the flying monkey attacks the scapegoat, the narcissist. Uh, bails out, okay, they quit, as though, look, they're both fighting, and now I'm out of this, I have clean hands, I have done nothing, and that's the point, now the triangulation is happening between the siblings, and again, to get the nar the scapegoat, the narcissist makes sure they use a flying monkey to do the job for them, and so in that case, now the narcissist makes sure twice okay, twice, that they are winning, they are winning, and the scapegoat now has no chance but to cry themselves, to sleep, to be ashamed, to feel bad about themselves, to feel guilty, to have no more self-esteem to look up for, to hate themselves, to isolate themselves from everybody, and that's what the narcissist wants, they thrive on that shit, they thrive, they enjoy the torture they put on the scapegoat, they get off of it, okay? Like, imagine if it's porn. That's what they jerk off to. That's what they ejaculate for. That's what they squirt for. You know, that's what it is. They That's the orgasm. The way that the scapegoat is defeated, the, the t by the time the scapegoat arrives to this point where they're crying and they can't take it anymore and they need to hate themselves and isolate themselves, not talk to anybody... It's it's the orgasm. It's the the big O, you know, after the whole sexual action going on. It's the big O is when the narcissist feels that big win, that big dopamine hit of winning, making sure that the flying monkey did the dirty job for them, and the scapegoat lost. And then the narcissist will pretend as if nothing happened five minutes later. I noticed this so frequently. I was never able to detect it at first. I was never really able to say for sure if 
if that's uh you know okay or not i'm pretty sure it's not because if somebody's angry at someone they will at least be assertive enough to tell them hey you hurt me and i felt really bad and angry about that and i'm expecting an apology from you because if you don't i'm not going to speak to you well that's what a healthy person does what a narcissist does is all the chaos and drama that i've just talked about and even more or silent treatment and then come come back happy and dancing and jumping and hugging and love bombing as if nothing fucking happened and then you're wondering what the, what the fuck just happened like what <laughs> why is this happening right now like i'm confused like what and that's what they do that's what they always do they cause the drama they cause the chaos and then get out of it make sure they they get out of it with clean hands and then pretend like nothing happened and they're happy and they're dancing and they're singing and they're having their delusional grandiosity play around oh my god crazy fucking people and imagine being a daughter of a narcissistic mother like that just imagine or 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 a son of a monstrous mother like that nightmare fucking nightmare and a daymare not to mention this usually happens in daylight so daymare um and so yeah that's that's what it is that's basically what it is it's drama it's problem it's trouble it's chaos it's mess between the siblings who are not really supposed to fight over stupid stuff or worse getting a a child triggered and then aiming at them and then shooting them and then getting out of the situation as if nothing happened or bringing out another sibling to the war to the battlefield making sure that they do the dirty stuff for you and then you coming out safe there but that but, but see the the person who caused all of this is the one who's now pretending that nothing has happened is now victorious of the chaos they've caused and now they're dancing and singing and expressing this love bombing out into the world they if they're thinking they're not exposing themselves already they're wrong if they're dancing victorious over ruining their the the scapegoat's day or anybody's day for that matter if they're not exposing themselves by doing that then if they think they're not exposing themselves they're wrong because they are the main reason why this whole drama and chaos emerged in the first place and then what they're going to do is they're going to blame it on the flying monkey or blame it on the nature and personality of the scapegoat because the personality of the scapegoat is just terrible and awful and selfish and self-centered and uh angry all the time which is mainly a projection 
of themselves. The mirror that's supposed to show and expose their ugly face is given to you and expected that you should look at the mirror and look at yourself, you know, and and revise. But the person who should be looking at that mirror is them. Once they know how truly ugly they are, they will be terrified. Terrified to the point where it'll it'll annoy them, it'll destroy them, it'll hurt them so bad. Like it's something they never saw coming. And that's why also, if you notice, to the outside world, they want to appear as this angelic, beautiful, pure little thing to the outside world because they want to make sure that that image is maintained. It's perfect. Flawless. And because they want to show how good of a person they are. So they will show off with those gifts, with those, um, which I'm going to talk about in the future. Uh, the love bombing, the kisses, messages, the texts, the hugs, the kisses, the trips, the money, all of that. It's all for the purpose of manipulation. And all of that shown to the outside world as, hey, I'm good. I'm a good person, believe me, this is what I do all the time. Hey, look. And and the pro- and the craziest thing is is that people who don't know what's going on behind the closed doors are actually believing this shit. Are actually like they're they're actually like astonished and and shocked and and, and in amazement by what they're seeing. But when stores are closed, that's when the abuse throws its cards on the table and it's back to the same old loop. But well, basically triangulation is chaos and it's drama and it's manipulation and it's all working in the favor, for the favor of the narcissist, no matter how traumatic it may be or difficult it may be it's not easy it's never easy it's never beneficial in any way shape or form but it works for the narcissist so anyway i hope i talked about this topic really well i hope i delved in it sufficiently well um i don't have internet resources right now to back up my ideas as like uh evidence and scientific evidence and examples but already talking about this and stemming from a personal experience from real life shit going on at least maybe hopefully it'll make sense and hopefully it'll be informative enough for you to know what to expect from a narcissist and to be careful with what's going on and to be cautious and to be immune and to never react against us and to never 
try to win or lose because if you try to win the narcissist will never allow you to win and if you lose it's gonna screw you over even more so the best thing to do is to neither win nor lose is just to quit the game okay and uh yeah so thank you thank you thank you very much for listening to this belated episode after i don't know how many weeks now um and i i appreciate your engagement so far i appreciate your uh conversations with me i really appreciate your suggestions of topics they're really amazing really awesome keep them coming please i really like it when people actually suggest topics and they're not shy to talk about it because you know we have to be strong together have to support each other in this community and talk about abuse talk about narcissistic people because they really need to be exposed and uh yeah so thank you very much again for listening you'll find this episode available on the main platforms as usual except now it's official on red circle it's no longer on anchor unfortunately for now okay um and the rest you know google podcast overcast spotify um blue blueberry i think uh podbean maybe um and the rest as usual and so yeah basically if you okay that's another that's for another time so uh for now thank you very much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode